You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Wednesday, January 19th, game day for the Virginia Tech men's basketball team as they travel down to Raleigh to face off with the NC State Wolfpack for the second time in just 15 days. On episode 219 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, we'll look back at Virginia Tech's first ACC win against Notre Dame on Saturday, look ahead to a tough stretch coming up. We're also going to check in on the women's basketball team, who is now 5-1 and one in the ACC. And we'll also check up on some news and notes with the football team as well. All of that and much more coming up on episode 219 of the Tech Sideline podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in, however you're taking in the Tech Sideline podcast, whether that's archived on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or if you're on YouTube, if you're on our YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe, also like the video, and if you're in the YouTube live chat, be sure to drop a comment or question for Will and Chris. We'll get to those at the end of the show. As always, the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center, Virginia Tech Wrestling, a top 10 program in the country. You can continue to support that and bring Olympic hopeful athletes to Blacksburg. Be sure to visit southeastrtc.com for more details and to donate today. We're finally back. We got the usual crew on set after winter break is complete or across the way. Founder and general manager Will Stewart filling in as host last week did a great job. To my right, Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for TechSideline.com. In the fourth chair, it's Katie Adams today. She also filled in admirably as host previewing the Pinstripe Bowl. Behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart doing a great job. And I am Jake Lyman, your host today. Want to hand it off to Will. It's been a while uh, since we've all been together. First of all, poor Katie having to preview the uh, military bowl. At least she didn't have to do the follow-up. Exactly. Yes. I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I wanted to start off today with something a little off the beaten path, which was uh, triggered is probably the correct word by something that happened last night. So last night from 8 p.m. until 3 a.m. in the morning, I received 25 emails from the same individual. This individual has now sent me over the course of the last year, 235 emails, which all sound like this. <laughs> I gotta be careful, I gotta pick my way here. There's some profanity and racist language in this stuff, but I'll, I'll go through it. You can't just kill nearly 1 million Americans with subtlety, an infectious under the radar disease. No, you need United American plane crashings, nearly 10,000 dead. Who the F is in charge here, Woodstock or Eisenhower? Eisenhower objects he built highways that Charlie Manson hitchhiked on. So Eisenhower hated Sharon Tate. Tattoo Island loves the USA Today, not a tattoo fan. The plane, the plane, that's why no tattoos. Pearl Harbor, NYC or DC? 
again in the last year, 235 emails of this nature, this conspiratorial, often racist, often vulgar gibberish. Um, this person started emailing me in January of 2021, and I got a torrent of emails for about three months. And they often come in bursts. Like, now, 25 is a record. 25 and seven hours is a record. But I'd get six to eight a night. And this went on for about three months. And I didn't really respond to it, you know. And then he went quiet for nine months. And then starting on uh, January 8th, so 11 days ago, I've now received 67 emails from this person in 11 days. And they are all of this nature. And I've emailed this person and said, stop emailing me. And I have emailed this person. So here's the weird thing is this, this person emails me from their personal Comcast account with this stuff. I know this person's name and their email address. Their middle name is included in their email address. I know this person's full name. I've Googled this person. Pretty sure I know who he is. He has a very, very low internet profile. He's listed somewhere that, that I won't get into. Um, and so when this stuff started last year, I emailed Comcast and I said, I'm being harassed by, you know, one of your, one of your subscribers. No answer. Of course, I haven't called Comcast, Comcast yet. I accumulated a bunch of these emails together into a document and went and talked to an officer at the Blacksburg police department. He was fascinated by it. He was really <laughs> fascinated by this torrent of gibberish. Uh, but he couldn't really do anything about it because there is no overtly threatening language towards me in these emails. So you, your answer is, first of all, like I said, I haven't called Comcast. So your answer is, well, just block his emails. When you block an email, this is my experience, when you block an email in your email package, it doesn't really block it. It funnels it over into your junk folder. Yeah. Well, I don't want that either because I got to go over there and look and make sure legit emails don't wind up in spam. So I have to see this stuff. So that's where we are. And this morning when I woke up and realized I'd gotten 25, I thought, you know what? I'm going to out this person. I'm going on the podcast. I'm going to give their name. Oh, Lord. I'm not going to give their email address, you know, because I don't want to start that. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm going to list this person's name. Pretty sure. It's a UVA fan that, that got uh, banned from our message board. And honestly, folks, I don't remember. You know, we, we have people. I could tell stories. We, what I'll do is I'll drop a, we'll drop a link in the uh, podcast video description to an article I wrote two years ago called Unhinged, which tells a different story about a person who registered close to 120 times during the 2019 football season including 20 times the night that Duke beat Virginia Tech 45 to 10. That was in 2019, correct? I got my year correct. Yeah. So I was going to come on and say, here's this person's name. And I was going to give their middle name. And I was going to say, if you know this person, tell them to stop. And then I thought, you know what? You don't really know what's going on here. Um, this could be a person who is legitimately mentally ill. Not just, hey, you're crazy for sending those emails, but, you know, facing legitimate mental illness. And you should maybe consult your lawyer before doing that. Too. That, yeah. too, <laughs> that went through my mind. It, it's okay for him to do this to me, but maybe it's not okay for me to go on my podcast yes. and say, hey, so-and-so, stop this. <laughs> could be a person with a brain tumor. Could be a person who's had a wonderfully productive life and is now dealing with Alzheimer's and just 
has no grip on reality. So uh, I just thought I'd tell this story because I had to get this out <laughs> because of the crap that we have to deal with sometimes. And also to kind of ask the community, what are my options here? Um, again, I don't want these emails coming in at all. I want them completely blocked. I want this person to know that this or their caretaker, which could be the case, I want this person or their caretaker to know that this behavior is not acceptable. So if you're in the law enforcement community, if you work for Comcast, how do I really get this? Like, <laughs> hey, Comcast, I don't want to block this person's email. I want you, when they type in my email address, to make it stop right there. Um, so if you work for Comcast, let me know what my options are. If you're all in law enforcement, what are my options? You know, and, and again, it's just this, this is the stuff. So we are in this business and there's actually a lot of Hokie fans on Twitter who also, who also fit this same, uh, uh profile. You're, you're quasi celebrities. You're known by a bunch of people. Chris tells stories all the time. He can't go to champs without getting accosted by, Hey, you're that guy on that podcast, you know? <laughs> Malcolm, who never is on camera anymore, was at Champs the other night. And somebody was like, "Hey, I know you're 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 Malcolm." Katie got recognized down at the uh, at, at the Mayo Bowl. So we had we're we're in in our small little world. We're celebrities. I can't imagine what it's like if you're a legit celebrity, where millions of people know who you are. I'll bet there are so many stories out there about getting harassed and stalked that you just never hear. So I thought I'd tell this story of this bizarre story, 65 emails in 11 days and 235 emails, all of this nature, you know? So Jake, you're on, where are you going to go with that? <laughs> what a way to start the podcast. Uh, I, I guess that's how I come back. Uh, Katie, monitor the chat. It may be somebody in there can Has help some out advice. Will. I will update uh, my segment. Yeah, at, at the midway point, we'll see if there's anybody who has some solutions for Will. Uh, well, with that, let's get into some, some basketball. Some actual sports talk. Finally, some good things to talk about with the men's basketball team. A win in the ACC. Previously, we're 0-4. Uh, big confidence-building win. You know, down 10 early against Notre Dame, we're able to battle back and pull away in that one, uh, and Storm Murphy hitting the game-winning shot at the very end. Yeah, and it didn't look like it didn't look like it was in the cards for quite a lot of that game. Yeah, uh, I remember they kept showing the turnover stats, and I'm like, man, Virginia Tech's doing a great job protecting the, the ball, but then they showed <laughs> Notre Dame's, and you're like, man, they're doing even better. They didn't even have their first turnover till the second half. Second half, and I don't, yeah. I don't remember what spot it was in the second half, but. Uh, I thought the second half offensive performance by Tech was as good as you could possibly be. I don't know exactly what their shooting percentage was, but uh, I thought they were efficient as they possibly could be. I thought they got a lot of open looks, both inside and outside. Um, and that was I, – I really, really expected – I really expected them to look like that more this year. Not necessarily shooting such a high – as high percentage they did in the second half against Notre Dame, um, but I, I was – I thought they would look that crisp for most of the season, but with the, with the exception of you know the St. Bonaventure game, uh, the Notre Dame game, and and a, and a few other games, you know here and there for parts of games, right. uh, they haven't really looked like that. Um, and the St. Bonaventure game, I didn't even take seriously because St. Bonaventure was just oh they checked awful. out early. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that game was over before halftime. It was yeah. like they. It was like Virginia Tech players had curfew in Charlotte the night before and St. Bonaventure players didn't. Right. That, that's basically yeah. what that game was like. There was a game one time uh, the Tech played 
oh gosh, I don't know if it was in the Virgin Islands or the Bahamas or something like that, but they played, uh, I don't remember who they played. It, it, it might have been Seton Hall or Mississippi State or something. And Tech won by like 30 or 40. Right. And you knew that team that Tech played was way better than that. And then uh, it came out that, uh, you know, the team had been down there for several days and they didn't really practice. All they did is hang out on the beach and drink. <laughs> yeah. And then they played Tech and basketball. And was Tech that the smoked. one where Dorenzo Hudson went off for like 40 no, or something? No, that like was that? a close game. That was, okay. Uh, the, the one I'm talking about was like a total <laughs> route. <Yeah. laughs> Or maybe it was Seton Hall. Maybe that's why Tech was able to win the game without Malcolm Delaney. I don't right. know, but it was, yeah. it was one of those games. Yeah. yeah. And after losing to Virginia back on, I believe, Wednesday, uh, two-point two loss to Virginia, you're 0-4. Was that a must-win for Virginia Tech to kind of keep the season alive? You go 0-5 in the ACC, yeah. it kind of feels Especially like... Especially with the upcoming yes, schedule. Yes, exactly, yeah. and we're going to talk about that later. But does it feel like if they hadn't been able to pull that one out in the end that season maybe you're, you're looking at NIT at the best at that point? Yeah. You know, I, I actually didn't want to think about it. I didn't go there. <laughs> I was like, you know, there's a lot of basketball left to be played. So it, it, you mentioned that they pulled it out in the end. First of all, let's go. I had Katie pull up the box score. Let's go over some of the some of the stats. Like, who who were Tech's leading scorers? It was Mutz with twenty four and Alumo with seventeen. Or no, right. I'm sorry, it was Naheem Aline had twenty two. Right. So, so Aline, Aline broke out. We didn't even talk about that. Did Aline go like nine of eleven or something like that? He was eight of ten. Eight of ten. Right. Mutz so, and Aline combined to go seventeen of twenty one for forty six points. Wow. So and and Mutz, I went on Twitter during the UVA game and I said Mutz has been invisible. Which wasn't fair because he was playing good defense against yep. UVA, but but uh, offensively he just wasn't there. Well, in this game, he he was definitely there. So you talked about down the stretch, and and I, I know there's a lot of detail to a basketball game, but it, it's a lot of sports. Just tune in for the last few minutes and, w- and watch what happens in the last two minutes. So if you look at Tech's last three games, they they lost to NC State. So let me let me make sure I get all of this exactly correct because I printed it out. So with about five minutes left to go against NC State, Tech was winning 59-58. Got outscored 10-4 to down the stretch, and two of those points came right at the buzzer. And they lost 68-63. At UVA with 314 to go, Tech was leading 52-48. to Got outscored 6-0 down the stretch. Went over 3 from the field, turned it over three times. Yep. And two of the three shots that they missed were like right in the last 10 seconds. Yep. Mm-hmm. So just not getting it done down the stretch. And then you go to this Notre Dame game with 203 to go. It was tied at 71. And you're getting this creepy feeling because, oh, man, you know, this team has not been able to close seen this out. before. Game. Yeah, you know. And so then Aluma misses a chippy. And there's that instant where you're like, no. And then Mutz grabs it and slams it in to make it 73-71. Notre Dame ties it at 73, and then Tech runs away with it down the stretch. Of course, scores, I think, the last six points of the game to win 79-73. And the key play was Storm Murphy making the three-pointer with 20 seconds left. Yeah, the dagger from the right wing. Yeah, it was 75-73, and Storm makes the shot. And Notre Dame down the stretch, let me see what I've got in my notes here for them. In the last 2-0-3, Notre Dame went 2-0-4 from the line, including missing the front end of a one and one and they went 0 of three from the field. Whereas Tech went starting with the uh Mutt's dunk, Tech went two of two from the field, three or four from the line, you know. So they just outplayed him down the stretch. Yeah. And so that got me to thinking, sorry to monopolize the microphone here, but that got me to thinking about one of the things that, that people are starting to say that I think is fair and Aaron McFarling wrote about this for the 
Roanoke Times is that Tech is not using their bench very much. So I looked at the uh, the bench minutes and points. So let me grab the spreadsheet for that. Oh, they went over it on the broadcast. Did they? The points <clears throat> Tech's bench has scored in ACC games. I forget the exact number. Uh, the, ben- the bench in the last three games has scored 12 combined points right. in the right. last three games. So, um, And it's more than just points, it's minutes. And actually, my points don't line up, but we'll go over this. It, it, it's, it's minutes. NC State's bench played 45 minutes, and Tech's bench played 35 minutes. That's not a big difference in minutes. NC State's bench had eight points. Tech's had two. You go to UVA. UVA's bench played 46 minutes, and that was led by Francisco Cafaro, 30, 30 minutes and 16 points. So they played 46 minutes and had 18 points, and Tech's bench played 24 minutes and had two points. Notre Dame, now Notre Dame, and this is what got me to thinking, Notre Dame's got a similar issue where they don't play many bench players. They played two guys off the bench, and that was it. And I think one of them played a lot because, uh, David, who's the uh, – the interior guy for Notre Dame who was in foul trouble. Lashevsky. Yeah. So they had a player or two in foul trouble. Uh, Atkinson. Yeah, Atkinson, Atkinson. That's what I thought. So so Notre Dame's bench played 27 minutes, but it was just two guys. Now, they had nine points. That's pretty good. Tech's bench played 23 minutes, so the bench minutes were a lot closer. And the reason I bring all that up is if you are not getting to rest during a game, you're getting fatigued towards the end, and that affects your performance over the last, you know, three to five minutes when games are decided. And again, you mentioned in against Virginia, the last three minutes of the game, the Hokies did not score. Yeah. You score once, you're at least going to overtime. Hokies couldn't get that done. Well, that's going to be an issue coming up because Virginia Tech is playing an NBA schedule yep. over the next month. Yeah. Like three or four games a week because of the COVID cancellations and such. And, re- and this year they actually rescheduled. Right, right, exactly, which I did not expect. Um so when you're playing that many games in that short amount of time, you're probably going to have to use your bench, bench more. You're going to have to uh, – he doesn't seem to want to use Ojiako. And at this point in Ojiako's career, o, to develop Ojiako, he's past the point of developing in practice. Yeah, and he's got to play. To a certain, yep. He needs to play to develop. Yeah. Um, so you, you need to get him out there because, you know, you've seen Kevin Aluma down the stretch at times this year kind of falter, probably because he's out of gas because he's playing – almost yeah. every minute of well the end of the nc state game nc state I've, I've got this written down nc state had eight offensive rebounds in the last five minutes mm-hmm. five offensive rebounds on one possession well OG, and a lot of that's fatigue and a lot of it's a lot of this well, is that tyrese radford isn't here anymore well i think uh when you come off a covid pause and a large number that's of your players particularly the front court have not been able to practice i mean i saw john ojiaco riding a bicycle through my neighborhood to stay in shape so yeah. you do the math there <laughs> yeah. um so I, but that that's certainly part of it um I, I, it's it's kind of weird it's going to be weird playing that many games in such a short amount of time uh, from a competitive balance standpoint you need to replay them i feel bad for the players cuz they didn't sign up they're not NBA athletes, right? Yeah. They still have to do yep. classwork. Got to do school. School work, you know? And and that's it's kind of unfair to them from, from that standpoint because you're right in the middle of the semester and all of a sudden there are going to be some weeks where those dudes are barely in Blacksburg. Yeah. yeah, classes started yesterday, and now the Hokies, well, today is the 19th, up until the 29th, so 10, 11 days, however you want to look at it. The Hokies have five games at NC State tonight at Boston College on Saturday, at UNC on Monday, Miami at home on Wednesday, Florida State on the road on Saturday. So basically the, until next Tuesday, they're basically on the road every day yes. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's a brutal stretch. 
So that we'll, we'll we'll dive into that. I still want to talk about. We mentioned Storm Murphy hitting that three at the end. It does seem like he's starting to develop into the offensive player that Tech fans expected him to be. He's making floaters in the lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wrote this down. His first eleven games, he only shot forty-one three pointers, made fourteen of them. In the last five games, he's made fourteen of twenty-nine. So he's starting nice. to find that stroke from three-point range. Did you see Hokey thirty-four put up a? predicted outcomes post on the basketball yeah i didn't get a chance to read it was was really really good and and basically uh he talked about a guy the national signed a few years ago uh josh bell and uh josh bell was absolutely creaming the baseball over the first half of the season and uh but he was hitting one something because every time he'd cream it he'd cream it right at somebody right and if you did baseball advanced stats are so advanced these days that uh, if you hit the ball, uh, the, the example he used was if the, if the ball comes off the bat at 113 miles an hour at this angle, it's an X percentage chance it's, uh, that it's going to be a hit. And Josh Bell was doing everything right, but for some reason it was always hit right at somebody. And so it was like, did something need to change? Well, no. I mean, eventually if you keep doing that, it's going to start dropping, yeah. right? And it did. Yeah. It did. Second half of the season, it started dropping for him. And, uh, like, that last possession against UVA, I mean, those two shots were wide open by two really good shooters. Yep. yep. Um, obviously, Naheem Aline. Let's talk about him. The guy's basically shooting 20 or 25% for a month. Since the Dayton game, he was 8 of 40 heading into the Notre Dame game. Right, right. So, he's not a ba- he's not that bad of a shooter. He's not 8 of 10 either right right? so it's it's gonna average out probably um so you just had to last week in the q a somebody asked some basketball questions and i used the ken pomeroy luck metrics and the pomeroy luck metrics are basically it looks at what you've done in close games and compares it to your efficiency rating on both sides of the ball uh because basically you know each team, you shouldn't lose all of your close games, and you shouldn't win all of your close games. It should be kind of back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. Well, and I did it uh, for this year's Tech team, and I did it for the 2005-2006 Hokies, which lost all those close games down the stretch, including the half-court shot, Sean Dockery, Duke. All yeah, that. They, they went 4-12 and in the ACC, uh-huh. and a lot of, most of those games were close. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and as it turned out, that 2005-2006 team – Ranked dead last in the luck metrics in Cam Paramore's <laughs> Tech was the unluckiest basketball team in the country. Well, this year, going in the Notre Dame game, I think Tech was like eighth from the bottom in wow. luck rating in close in close game. Three forty eight right now. So uh, yeah, it's just not you get you use the predictive outcomes and the predictive outcomes might. I think the predicted outcomes have been accurate for like if you. Up until three minutes left in the ba- in basketball game yeah. for Virginia Tech, and I'm not saying there's things that Tech couldn't be doing better and things like that, but it's like I wrote in the Friday Q and A. Like, let's say one of those shots at the end of the UVA game went in; they were both wide open, and let's say the Xavier shot at Something the end goes didn't, in. didn't go in. Yeah, and people are a lot happier. Yeah, and and so oh, so in layman's terms, uh, I just kept saying this team is not this bad. You know? No, they're yeah. absolutely not. And the thing, the thing you have to remember, like it's not a 16-game ACC schedule anymore. It's a 20-game ACC Ooh. schedule, mm-hmm. which there's a lot of opportunity for losses there, of course. There's also yeah. a lot of opportunity for wins. Guess what? The ACC is not very good. 
It's not not good. Uh, we keep saying that it's not good. Uh, Miami might be the best team in the ACC now, and they're uh, really not that good. It's just the rest of the league stinks, right? Miami just beat uh, UNC last night by twenty eight. Guess points. what? UNC's not very good. They don't play defense. Okay, so we still Tech still has plenty of plenty of opportunities to win basketball games here. Uh, we got well, we got fifteen ACC games left. Yep, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean that's basically back in the day that was almost a whole ACC schedule, fifteen right, games. Right, right. So uh, I was watching Packer and Durham this morning. Uh, I was working and it was on. And when I turned it on, they were talking about Virginia Tech. And I tweeted this out on the Tech sideline account. Despite the fact that Tech is nine and seven and one and four in the ACC, correct? correct? Their Ken Palm ranking is twenty-first in the country and second in the ACC. Their BPI is 22nd in the country and 2nd in the ACC. Their net is 40th and 2nd in the ACC. So the record looks bad, but the computers so far love Virginia Tech. And this is interesting. It's it's life on the bubble. You know, we're, we're used to it here in Blacksburg. Yep. And you can see this collision course of a record that when you look at it doesn't look that great, but the computer numbers, we hope by the end of the season will be good. What is the committee going to decide? And right now, if you look at Joe Lunardi or anybody else who does bracketology, Tech is kind of in that last four in, first four right. out, next four out, somewhere in that range right now. And I guess you have to win games to get yourself in that field. Tech's computer numbers are going to be there. Yes. Um, it's just a matter of will they win enough games, which right. is why I'm glad they rescheduled the pit game. And, and if you were sitting there looking at it, like, I don't know how the NCAA selection committee is going to treat things this year with regards to... Ah, uh, well, this team only finished with 18 wins, but they had three games canceled due to COVID. How does that compare to this other team that played all their games? And, uh, and they 20 won 20 wins. games. Yeah. Right, right. And if you split the ACC season into quarters, we're through one quarter of the season, Tech's one and four. We mentioned that schedule for the next quarter. You got four road games and Miami at home, who's currently six and one in the Ugh. ACC. Is this the stretch that kind of defines the season for Tech? If you go three and two over that stretch, you're feeling pretty good. But if you go two and three, one and four again, that's when you have to start to worry. That's when you have to start thinking, man, we really need to run off five out of six or something yes. like that, which is difficult to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. Mm. If, if they go one and four again in the next five and they're two and eight. Oh, yeah, that's it. It's that's, done. Then. That's it. Well, and there are a lot of winnable games. NC State tonight again. That's a winnable game for Tech. They were coming off the COVID pause, lost by five at home. It's in Raleigh, but an opportunity to win there. Boston College, one of the worst teams in the ACC. They're, Unless they get down by 22. They come back, <laughs> they come back against Clemson. To mm. beat Clemson. That game at noon on Saturday <laughs> in Chestnut Hill. But again, those are both winnable games. If the Hokies can string those few together, you'd feel pretty good heading into UNC on yeah. Monday. You know, every time Brad Brownell... Every time I start to think he's a good coach, he does something like that to make me think. <laughs> they pull no, me back not. in. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 too early to to like make predictions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like as far as uh, I mean, I thought Tech would be an NCAA tournament team uh, before the season started, um, but you, you don't you don't foresee like losing almost every single close game, right? Early you, on. Yeah. Early on. I mean, you uh, think you're going to lose. I mean, close games, theoretically, you should win half of them and lose half of them, right? Yeah. For those one-possession games that come down to the wire I and mean, everything look, like that. Memphis and Xavier both were close at the very least in the last few minutes. Right. And then NC State, UVA. 
I mean, the shot the Xavier guy made to beat Tech was a much, much more difficult shot than the two wide-open shots that the Virginia Tech 40% missed. three-point shooters missed against Virginia. Exactly. And, and so much of basketball is confidence and rhythm, you know, and, and if the guys get confidence, who knows what could happen. So we'll be here five games from now, you know, and we'll see how things look. Well, again, those three road games in a row, NC State, BC, UNC, Miami, the next home game in Castle Coliseum. That's next Wednesday, a week from today. And then Florida State on the road. Those two teams coming off big wins last night. Again, mentioned Miami blew out UNC. FSU upsetting Duke uh, in Tallahassee, 79-78 in overtime. So Seminoles may be starting to put it together as well. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, for a while it looked like Duke and everybody else. And now Duke's faltering a little bit. And Miami's playing better than people expected. Is that a reflection of Miami or the ACC? Probably both. I see a lot of talent on that team. I mean, I haven't watched Miami always to... has good talent on their basketball teams. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, you South Beach at... recruits itself, <laughs> just like their football team. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and we'll talk a lot about those two games next week on the podcast. Uh, but NC State tonight in Raleigh. Uh, David Cunningham, managing editor, he's in the room with us right now. Uh, his preview up now on TechSideline.com. So check that out. Nice. Uh, but but how do the Hokies? Uh, get a little revenge for that game in Castle Coliseum back on January 4th, losing by five. Uh, it, w- it was a tough game. Aline, Kator, and Mutz shot eight of 25 combined. You would think that's not going to happen again tonight. Somebody needs to put on their boots helmet and, and be the Tyrese Radford for Virginia Tech because it, it was really the, you know, the, there's again, there's a lot of detail in that game. And, and I, I think Virginia Tech is way better coached in game than NC State is. Now, I felt that watching that game uh, in Castle. Um, but I, I think NC State has, when, when you get down in crunch time, they do have the superior playmakers. They've got uh, Darren Sebron, is that his Sebron, name? Sebron, yep. yeah. Excellent player. You know, guys that can make plays down the He's stretch. He's from the 757, right? Mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Lake Taylor. Yeah. So, you He's know. He's a guy that nobody, he was not a highly touted guy coming out of high school. I, I don't want to sit here and go with the easy answer of, hey, Naheem Aline keep, needs to keep shooting like that, you know, because that's kind of Captain But, yes, Obvious he needs too. to. He doesn't need to keep shooting 8 of 10 because that's impossible. He just needs to not shoot 20%. Not shoot 2 he, of he 11. He needs to shoot his normal rate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so when, when I, I think part of what, and, and help me out with this discussion, part of what happened in the Notre Dame game was that Hunter Couture, for example, did not have a good offensive game. He, you, you can he say score. Yeah, he got taken away, and other guys filled in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And I think Virginia Tech's had issues where they've only had one or two scores; they haven't had three. Yeah. So that would be my answer. First of all, don't give up eight offensive rebounds in five <laughs> minutes, and 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 secondly, let's have three guys we can count on the score at least. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when the Hokies win. You look at that Notre Dame game; you had Aluma. Probably always has to be one of them, you would yeah, think. He's yeah. always got to score about 15 it's a lot of pressure, or more. But. It is, and he's come up big as of late. I wanted to talk about him. 22-6-3 against UVA, 17-8 and against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, a month ago when I was here last, we talked about how he wasn't playing the way he was. It seems like he's the, gotten the, back the, to The himself. numbers were there. But, like, he wasn't taking advantage of enough one-on-one matchups yeah. uh, like he was capable of doing. And now, whenever teams are playing him one-on-one, he's doing an awesome job of taking care of those matchups. Um, yeah, he's, he's playing really well, I think, because of the fact that Virginia Tech's one and four. I don't think he's really – remember, he was preseason All-ACC, yes, right? He was, he was second. He was number two in votes. Player of the year yeah, Only behind right. Boncaro. And, and nobody's year. talking about that right now. No. Uh, he can he can be that guy down the stretch, but I kind of think that ship's probably sailed unless Tech goes on some huge run. Yes. The, the, the main thing is 
manage fatigue levels. Yeah. Because he's playing a lot of minutes, and like I said, it's going to be an NBA schedule for the next month, basically. So, you know, but basically, Tech's not going to have a chance to practice for just about the next month of basketball because mm-hmm. there's only going to be a game a day between each game. Yeah. So you finish your game, like, okay, so you finish tonight's game. Um, you come back for class tomorrow you, morning. Tomorrow morning. Maybe you get a walkthrough in, and then you fly to Boston. Yes. Is that where that this weekend? Boston on Saturday at noon. That's an early game. Right. So you're Gosh. going there Friday yeah. probably. You're going there on Friday. Straight to right. North Carolina. From Boston. From Boston. Yeah. Right. Because like I said, it's an NBA schedule. And then you play Miami at home two days later. Right. So, uh, uh, so you, there's going to be no chance to actual practice, work on skills. The only practice time they, they're, they're going to get is going to be walkthroughs preparing for the next uh, next opponent and I mean, there's some shoot-arounds and things like that. So mm. right now it's all about managing fitness levels, really. Uh, uh, just got to make sure your guys aren't gassed at the end of games, and that means like you're not – you're not going to be doing full court practices and things like that. You will. They got to be 100 percent for games. So what you just outlined is three road games and then Miami at home. Yes, all within the next week. Uh, man, see, see, that's you, you. You think to yourself, oh, they finally get that home game. It's against a really talented team, and it comes after you know flying all over the East yeah, Coast. Yeah, and then exactly. you head right back down to Tallahassee to play Florida uh, State on Saturday. Or Tech has never won. Well, not since the that, 80s, right? That's Louisville, isn't it? Tech hasn't won. Tech hasn't won at Tallahassee. At Tallahassee, really? Now Tech hasn't beat Louisville at all ever since like nineteen ninety. I think. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what what is the Louisville game? Like, all right. So, primary primary goal: make the NCAA tournament. Of course. Secondary goal. Secondary goal. Even above making the NIT, which I, which is to me, the NIT is like making a minor bowl game. Whatever. Um, Secondary goal: beat Beat Louisville. Louisville. (laughs) Check that box, man. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting tonight, an opportunity for Tech to string two wins together uh, and really a big game for Virginia Tech. This is one they probably should win against NC State in Raleigh, so we'll see if they can get that done tonight. With that, let's hand it over to Katie. What you got in the fourth chair today? Well, first we'll do an update on Will's email saga. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So from Richie Worrell, he's commented, there's no way to completely block an email address like you said. It will always just go to your spam or trash folder. That said, you could write a script that would auto-delete from your spam. Would be a great project for a computer science student. So, Well, you know, I I do have a son who's a junior at South Carolina majoring in computer science. There you go. (laughs) Maybe present this issue to him and we can get it squared away. That was kind of a sorry sorry comment. Yeah, Uh, but wanted to give an update on the Commonwealth Clash that involves Virginia Tech and Virginia competing in all sports. So currently, Virginia Tech leads four and a half to one and a half. And then there's three opportunities to kind of extend that lead. Obviously, women's basketball plays UVA January 27th. Men's basketball plays UVA February 14th. And then wrestling on February 18th. So all in the next month. The key for Virginia Tech is like getting a big lead before the spring sports. right? Yeah. Now, Tech will smoke UVA in in softball. But like baseball, UVA generally wins. uh, You know, so you get out to a big lead before the spring sports start. Definitely. Some tidbits um, revolving the NC State game tonight. I think we all remember that last matchup in Raleigh that Tech won 47 to 24. What a game. Yeah, in that game, the Hokies held NC State to 16.7% shooting, which is the lowest mark in ACC history. Um, and I the was. 24 points that they scored were the fewest scored by a Division One team. In oh, the last I wouldn't 10 say years. we held them, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of held themselves. Oh, brutal. 
Anyway, sorry to go. Sorry. No, you're fine. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting that in the last 10 years, it's the fewest points ever scored by a Division One team. I mean, Hopefully, score- history repeats itself. Probably not. But- Scoring 47 points in a blowout win, that that doesn't, that doesn't happen very that often. Doesn't sound very. Yeah, I remember watching that game at B Dubs. Oh, we were all just incredible. I can't believe this is happening. Just at some point, going. they're going to start making shots, right? And they never did. They never did. So uh, <laughs> a friend of mine out in my neighborhood is an NC State graduate, and he's not a huge NC State fan, but he he's been to a game in Raleigh, and it was that game. Oh man! Um, wow. He actually traveled there and there, got tickets, and can, sat there and watched can, that. Can, can you imagine like you hadn't been to a Virginia Tech game in years, and you're so excited to come back to Blacksburg and you get your ticket and uh, what, a, what a great experience it's going to be and then Tech scored 24 points and then 17 percent uh, right right now like as a comparison like the 2010 Virginia Tech NC State football game in Raleigh was higher scoring than that last basketball that game is correct That's but crazy. if you want to know what it's like to experience that just ask Tech fans who flew in from the west coast for the time that Duke beat Tech 45 to 10 in Lane Stadium it's true. they know that feeling um, and then lastly, I'm hoping the next time we jump on a podcast, it's largely reviewing the 2022 Virginia Tech football schedule that has yet yeah. to be released. Right. Um, wanted to shout out Clark Ruland, who had a cool tweet. He tweeted, all the ACC football schedule release dates since Virginia Tech joined the ACC. And by the looks of that, you would think that the schedule would come out sometime next week. Last year, it was released January 28th. The year before is the 22nd, the 16th, the 16th, the 24th, 26th. And you know the rest, but all right. So it's hopefully about next about week. That time. It's coming. So sometimes as er- sometimes as early as the sixteenth. Yeah. Say? Okay. Which so it, honestly, ago. it could come out any, tomorrow, anytime now. Yeah. 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 Um, and they usually reveal that on Packer and Durham, yes. or or on the ACC network at some point. Oh so. yeah, that's right. They're gonna they, they started doing that last year. Yeah. They, they started revealing it on on Packer and Durham. Yeah. Yeah. So then you'll know. And do they go in alphabetical order? So text like always. I think, they do. I think they do. So well, you'll have to fill in the gaps as the other teams go. You'll see. Right. Okay, we play this team here. Uh-huh. Twitter usually goes like that <laughs> while they're doing all that. Uh, That's all for me. All right. Well, okay. thank you, Katie. Uh, thank you for the update on Will's email stuff. Keep checking. Maybe we'll see at the end uh, when we get to the questions and comments in the YouTube chat. Again, keep leaving those. Uh, we'll get to those at the end of the show. We're going to take a break here on episode 219 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back, we're going to dive into the women's basketball team who got another big win last night, now 5-1 and one in the ACC. We'll also check on a couple of football developments that have happened over the last week as well. A little bit of fun stuff at the end to stay with us here on episode 219 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back on episode 219 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. We are talking about the men's basketball team, but now we're going to move on to the women's basketball team and football here in the second half of the show. I want to remind you, if you are on the YouTube live or watching archived on YouTube, be sure to subscribe, like the video, and comment, and be sure to leave questions and comments for Will and Chris, and we'll get to those at the end of the show. Uh, we had a little bit of switch. David is now on the show. Uh, David and I ha- had the same We're idea for our same wardrobe today. Oh, uh, look at you guys. So uh, we look the same. Good news is most of the shots were not together, so uh, it doesn't look <laughs> like that. Um, we got David, Will, Katie still on set. We're going to talk some women's hoops now. Uh, they've been the better of the two programs so far this season, 13-4 and four 
five and one in the ACC. Uh, really bounced back after kind of a strange loss to Liberty right before the ACC schedule. Uh, had some big wins. Uh, have beat Duke twice, ranked team both times, both right. by ten or more points. FSU opened up ACC play with a seventeen point win, then last night a blowout win of UVA. Seems to be finding their stride here. They are. They are good. And the the Liberty the thing about the Liberty loss because that was right after Tennessee and that was like yes. as Kenny Brooks described it was a, it was a bad forty eight hours yeah. but that was also like right in the middle of exams and and just with all of that going on I think Tech had some time to sit back and reset. Um, you mentioned Florida State. Florida State's a really good program and Tech got over that hump. Yep. Then Tech beat Duke twice, once in Cameron, once here. Is Duke still ranked? Yeah, they're 23, I think. Yeah, and, Tech and, and is that, not right. Tech and, is 27th. They're yeah, the second and, outside. And you know what I will say is the biggest matchup so far for Tech this season comes up this Sunday. It's number four NC State in Raleigh. In Raleigh. Now, they were very competitive with NC State last they year. They beat NC State them. once last year. And, and they should have beaten them the other time, too. Yeah. Yep. yep. So this is, a, th- this is a team right now that is really firing on all cylinders. I don't think last night – against Virginia was their best performance. Mm, they see, look- I'm, I'm going to disagree with you because they were talking about this during the broadcast last night, and I agree with them that, that Kitley and Shepard, there are very few instances where both of them have been playing to their, their peak capability. Yeah. Um, so, sorry well, to interrupt. They, I just say that because talking with the players after the game and talking with Kenny, they just weren't very impressed with the way they played. And I right. think there was a little bit of a lack of energy just – in the arena, but also from the team. But but they did get the job done. Um, but, I mean, Elizabeth Kitley, seven straight double-doubles. I mean, she she looks like the best player in the ACC right now. Elisa Cunane, who she played AAU ball with, plays for NC State. They'll play each other on Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, Cunane's always given her fits. But, um, but, no, this is a tech team that's really, really hot right now. And all the wins, you know, like they were down at Duke and came back and won. They were... They've been down a couple other times, and or or it looks like you know this is a in past years this is a team that the game might have slipped away from them, and they haven't, and they've stayed yeah. together, and they've really gotten over that hump and 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 finished strong, and um you know there's there's a lot of Tech's basically running six seven players right now, um you know maybe eight or nine depending on the depth, but. I mean, Tech has a solid core of like six players. Azana Baines is coming off the bench, and she had a phenomenal game against Duke. So this is a really, really good team right now. They just need to keep it up. They got Pitt on Thursday, which should be a win. Pitt is you know second to last in the ACC. I yeah, think. generally they're pretty bad. And um, but then NC State, and you have a chance to. You know, Tech's probably going to be six and one heading into a- a- NC State, who's currently seven and zero in the ACC. Yeah. So so I don't want to be that guy. But I do want to ask you the the one outlier there is the seventy one to forty six game against UNC. Yes. Yeah. Now I didn't watch that one. I watched the first few minutes and just gave it the old "oh, I'll see where this is going." Um, what did the team have to say about that, and and what do you attribute that to? Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I was actually I listened to Evan Hughes. I was driving back to Blacksburg and I listened to Evan the whole way home, and in, it, Tech just got out to a slow start, and North Carolina was just a lot more physical and rebounded well and a lot of second chance opportunities and it kind of just got away from them in the first quarter and yeah. and North Carolina kind of just kept their distance from there and um but besides that that's you know the last seven games that's the only game Tech has lost and that's the one outlier like you mentioned um yeah that that was kind of just I think Tech really 
got off to a slow start, and it was one of those games where UNC UNC is really good on the interior in the front court, and Kitley still put up a double double. But it they was, were double and triple team. But they were they were going after her, and it was another game where Asia Shepard didn't play well, and she's kind of been in a slump recently. Um, you know, she had a couple big threes against Duke the other night, but she's been in a little bit more of a slump. Um, and that was one of those games where if it wasn't going to Kitley, it was just really tough for Tech to get anything going. Yeah. And and I think that's going to be the interesting part down the stretch for Virginia Tech when, you know, if Elizabeth Kitley, you can say she's the best player in the ACC, when, when Tech is, you know, getting teams are double and triple teaming her and she is struggling, you know, because she can still put up good numbers and not, you know, not play that well right. because that's how good she is. Can Tech get somebody else going? Can Kayla King, Asia Shepard, Georgia Amor, Azana Baines, Kayana Trailer, you know, three or three of those players were on last night for Tech. Um, can those guys get going? I think that's going to be the key down the stretch. So let's talk about Kitley a little bit. I'm, I'm experiencing a thing that's disappointing, and I first th- started thinking about this when I watched Michael Vick play for Virginia Tech. You get used to how really good they are. Yeah. And, and I don't want to say you become unimpressed, but every time Michael had the football in his hands, you, you, you were like, okay, do something amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and Kitley puts up these ridiculous numbers. It was, uh, six blocks. She had six blocks last night. Yeah. You know, four, four blocks away from a triple double. You know, and the announcers are saying, oh, she's, she's got one more year left, right? Yeah. Yes. Which is really cool. And the funniest part is like post game, Kenny Brooks goes, you know, she still hasn't reached her peak yet. Like she still hasn't peaked yet. And I think what does he think's missing? Oh, I think I, I think he he specifically mentioned working on some more of her post moves and, and and getting her game to where it's kinda like fluid where she can kinda go inside, outside. I think they want to refine her, you know, she can shoot the three a little bit. Yeah. Um, get her where she's more comfortable out there. But I think, you know, she has that that turnaround kind of like Dirk Nov- Dirk Nowitzki esque yeah, move where hook. she just hits the little fade. It's really it's and impossible it's to impossible to guard yeah. and and you know he just wants to get her a little bit more fluid there. But yeah, so, it, so I I was a Sixers fan growing up, and and so they had this rivalry with the Celtics. Yeah, and Celtics had Kevin McHale, and Kevin McHale was six eleven. And had arms that were nine feet long, and he would do that thing that that Kitley move has been compared to. People compare it to Dirk Nowitzki. Me, it sort of reminds of Kevin McHale, except McHale would stretch those nine. He'd, he'd fade away from you, six eleven, and he and he put the ball way up here. He wouldn't even get off the floor. He'd be this high off the floor, but you could not block. You couldn't catch because you couldn't yeah, reach you all the way up. Get there. all the way back yeah. though. Yeah. And, and having Liz Kitley, you mentioned she's getting double teamed and triple teamed. It seems like the Hokies have that great personnel. You've got the the beast in the paint with Kitley, and then you've got four elite shooters on the outside. If Shepard's hot, Kayla King's hot, Georgia Amor's hot, and now Kayana Trailer, uh, the Purdue transfer, she's been yeah. fantastic as well. It seems like the Hokies have that inside-outside uh, ability that could maybe make them make a run in the ACC or in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, well, and the other thing is they move the ball really well. I, there were a couple instances last night, I don't know if you saw, Will, where especially in transition – there yeah, was one one yeah. play where where Georgia Amor stole the ball and basically cut all the way up the floor and kicked it out and it went bam 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 in the paint to Kitley easy layup and it's you know it's the ball movement it's the the ver- the sharing the ball it's not like you know text text not one on oneing anybody no I- iso ball it's 
you know, share the ball. And I think that was one of the big things Kenny talked about after the Duke game was they, Duke doubled Kitley a couple times. And what really led to Tech winning was late in that fourth quarter, Tech doubled and left Asia Shepard on an island wide open. And Kitley recognized it and kicked it out and hit a couple threes, and that was the game. And, um, you know, Kiana Trailer, she's her ability to slash the rim has really provided a different element to this Virginia Tech offense. But Georgia Amor has been phenomenal at the point guard. And then Asia Shepard in a little bit of a slump right now, but, but, and then Kayla King, you know. Um, and I think the player of the game for the Duke game was Azana Baines, just yep. because fifteen rebounds, fifteen rebounds Revenge game for her. Yeah, <laughs> Duke, former Duke transfer. I mean, there are just so many pieces to this team, and I think the biggest thing down the road is just consistency because so, there's so many good pieces. It's can they play together on a consistent basis? Right, and so we we don't talk about the women's basketball team a lot here on the podcast, so I want to get that out this out there. I think Georgia Amor is incredibly underrated. Yeah. Right? Her, her speed with the ball is she's a water bug. She keeps it moving, you know, and that that is I don't think that's appreciated. Um, I think they said last night on the broadcast in ACC play, she's Virginia Tech's second leading scorer. Yeah. You know, she's she's a very good shooter who should probably shoot more, but they have so many options that I know she's not really looking for that. But she's so fast with the ball. And you talked about the ball movement. And, and there's this thing of dribbling too much you should pass the ball instead of dribbling so much it doesn't bother me when she in her <laughs> yeah. quotes dribbles too much because she's so fast and pressures a, a defense when she when she dribbles around yeah, like that and she's the catalyst yeah. for for everything and she's a phenomenal passer too i believe she leads the team in assists and early on in her freshman year last year it seemed like she had a little bit of a turnover problem and that's resurfaced a few times but for the most part it seems like she's cleaned it up a little bit been a lot more careful with the basketball team. yeah and I think having trailer alongside her in the backcourt helps and and that is uh, like a completely different element because now Kenny can basically bring Georgia to the bench rest her for a couple minutes and let trailer go and trailer runs the offense and but you mentioned Georgia you know just her ability to She's always driving downhill, but every single time it's like she's waiting for the defense to collapse so she can find her teammates yeah. on the perimeter. And the the one play that, that I just mentioned earlier that sticks out to me is it's like every single time she's in transition, she just dribbles and waits for the defense to collapse, and then she just kicks it out to somebody, one of her teammates who's trailing for an open three. And, and that is that is good offense, and it's all created because of the way she can – you know, dribble and the way she forces defenders to to basically guard her. And she never looks fatigued to me. And when they put the camera on her, she smiles a lot during games. You know, for these are these are high pressure affairs and she always looks relaxed. Yeah. You know, like I'm coming right back at you. And just her second year with the program as well, she's been phenomenal. And again, we mentioned uh, Kiana Trailer transfer from Purdue. Kenny Brooks snags last year the Boilermakers' leading scorer and brings her in here. She was scoring fifteen a game, and she was yeah. coming off the bench early on in the season. She's moved into the starting lineup, but uh, it's been uh, Kenny Brooks. I think early on in his career, kind of the story around him was he's great in non-conference and then can't get it done when it gets to ACC play. Hasn't been the case this year. Five and one, third in the ACC, only two teams in front. Number three, Louisville. Number four, NC State. Yeah, and I think I think one of the biggest things was he had talent here and there. You know, his, Reagan his McGarity. 
and Taylor Emery. Taylor Emery. His first big recruit was Asia Shepard, yes. who came in my year. I remember when Asia committed. Um, you know, and Asia was, you know, five star, one of the best players in that class, yeah. and it was just trying to find pieces around her. And he had Taylor Emery and Reagan McGarity, but he just didn't have enough. It was like he had two or three pieces, but you need. A good starting lineup, and then maybe a sixth or a seventh piece to complement, yeah. and that's why Tech would would you know destroy the non conference and then lose in these you know tight ACC affairs where Tech would be in it in, until you know the fourth quarter, and then it would just slip away yeah. because there wasn't enough talent on the floor for Tech to to keep it up. And now you've got six seven players that for Tech that can really play, and he's recruited well. He's gotten trailer out of the transfer portal. Um, you know, this is a, a really talented team, and, and like I mentioned before, I think it's just consistency. You know, and yesterday, first first day of classes, you know, they seemed to to, you know, they weren't happy with the way they played defense yesterday. Um, but but I'm I've been really impressed with how they've defended some of these teams that have multiple options. I'm interested to see, you know, how they can how they stop NC State because. You know, they've been all right against NC State in the past, but um, you know if NC State's a team you can get over the hump on, you know you're in in, in you know one of the front runners for the ACC. And so let, let's make the point that you know it's if you look at ACC men's basketball, in my opinion, the league has just been declining in quality in recent years. It's reflected in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, which they, which they used to dominate and they don't anymore. And it's reflected in the rankings where you look and there's a bunch of SEC teams there now because that SEC money's starting to, to take effect. And I've talked about that. That's not the case in ACC women's basketball, that this is still a really good conference. I don't know if you've got it in the top of your head, David, but you mentioned Louisville and NC State. Are, they're both top, they're both top four, four teams. They're three and four. Georgia Tech is also ranked, right? Yeah, and, and Duke is, Duke is ranked. ranked. Still, somehow and, still ranked. Tech North, is just outside. North Carolina was ranked yes. when they beat Virginia Tech. So yeah. this is still a really good conference. You know, it's it's you're, you're – and I just want to make that point. So if they continue to win, that's yeah. impressive. To, but to your point, you can't be half good and be successful yeah. in this conference. Yeah. And like David mentioned, we talked about men's basketball with a busy week, similar for the women's team. Last night beat UVA, pit tomorrow in Castle Coliseum, 8 p.m., uh, and then again Sunday, big game at NC State, number four in the country. Again, Tech probably could have beaten them twice last year, so yeah. an opportunity for a big upset win for Kenny Brooks. Uh, this team has talked publicly about their goal for this year. They want to reach a Sweet 16. They came up one step shy of that last year. Do you think it's possible for this team the way they're playing right now? I think so, yes. And I think I think it all comes back to um I, I mean basketball is I think all about get people getting hot at the right times, right. but yeah. but I think, you know, Asia Shepherd's in a little bit of a slump right now, but but I think the one thing that Tech has this year that it didn't have in the past is when a player like Asia Shepherd is not necessarily having a good game. Kind of like what we were talking about with men's basketball. Um there are other players to complement that, yeah. to offset that. Azana Baines can have a good game. Um, Kayla King can make three-pointers. Uh, Georgia, uh, Georgia Amor can Georgia, make three-pointers. Yeah, Kiana Trailer. She had 17 last night. 11 of them were in the second half. I mean, this is a team that has so many weapons now to go along with Kitley where teams are still going to double team Elizabeth Kitley because they have to because that's how good she is or else you're basically just giving her free points because she, like you said, her fadeaway is unstoppable. So 
I think this is a team you're going to have to win ACC games, but this is a team that that could get a really good seed in the NCAA tournament um, if they keep performing how they are right now. And the problem was they ran into um, you know Baylor, Baylor. Num, num, you know who absolute saw you know just running through everybody you don't want to be on that seven eight nine line yeah, when it, the it, tournament gets announced you want to be around the five or yeah something if tech like can that. get to the four five line which i think this team can this team is gonna well their numbers are really good i don't their 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 net numbers and all that stuff i think are really good yeah um so clearly shooting is one thing that could derail them as, as if too many players go in the tank in the same game yep what do they do if kitley gets in foul trouble what do they? Uh, she plays almost the entire game. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did she play the you entire know, game last night without coming out? She played. I want to say they, they took her off a little bit, but probably yeah, she end. she mostly plays the entire game. And I think it's funny because Kenny mentioned this last night how she doesn't really get in in much foul trouble. She hasn't. I think that was one of the problems with the North Carolina game was she did a little bit, but. She's Kenny mentioned how smart she is and how sometimes she'll just let opponents score because she doesn't want to. She knows if I do something here, if I try to go up and block it, you know, I'll get I might get called for foul. But I, I think that's the one part that that's the one scenario that nobody wants to talk nobody about. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's if if she ends up getting in foul trouble, what happens? But you know, Zana Bain, then then I guess Tech just goes smaller. Zana Baines, she she's not. A five, she's a four, but but she can play it if Tech needs. And Kayla King's been, you know, with Azana Baines out. Um, Azana Baines had COVID and was out, missed a couple games, and because of that, Kayla King slid into the four spot. And you know, Tech played pretty well with King at the four and Kitley at the five. So I think you know it wouldn't be as good, but but that's a situation I think you just kind of hope to avoid and. NC State is one of those teams that would pose those problems. Yeah, Cunane right. is, in the past, has at times been Kitley's kryptonite. So it's, right. you know, those teams that have really, really good bigs, they're going to challenge Kitley. She needs to stay out of foul trouble. And, you know, I don't think she's been challenged in that area too many times. Tennessee did. Tennessee, yep. Um, but I think that's been, you know, Duke did a little bit, but but has we'll, we'll see it more down the stretch. Well, with Tennessee, Asia Shepard, scored 30 in that game. So yeah. you could live with uh, Kitley not having her best game when Shepard's putting up numbers like that. A uh, lot of excitement around the women's basketball team. Uh, for more coverage, Chris Hirons covers a lot of women's basketball for Tech Sideline. Mm-hmm. David did a great job filling in yesterday. Yeah, and I was just going to say Tech is, I just looked it up, Tech is 16th in the net 16th. right now. Wow. So NC State is second. North Carolina is fourth. Louisville is fifth. That's how, <laughs> and Notre Dame is 15th. Um, that wow. is five that, top 16. Five top 16. That's, that's, that's how good the ACC is. Dare, dare, I don't know if Dara Mabry won ACC Player of the Week this past week for Notre Dame. So, Notre, I mean, Notre Dame's a, a really good team, too. They're, it's a talented conference. Um, and it's funny because Tech might have two of the best players in the conference in Shepard yeah. and Kitley. And te- Tech will certainly be ready for the NCAA tournament playing that kind of gauntlet in the ACC. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. I want to talk a little bit of football here. Not much. We, you guys covered a lot of football last week. Uh, but the early enrollees arrived on campus this week, uh, the mid-years. So I looked at this list. It seems like a lot of the key uh, signees for Virginia Tech are on campus already. You look at Devin Farrell at quarterback, Bryce Duke, Tucker Holloway, Benji Gosnell, Harrison St. Germain, Gunnar Givens, Cam Johnson. I mean, that's 
that's just some of them, but it seems like a lot of the guys that Tech probably wants on campus for spring practice are going to be here. Yeah, I'm looking for the early returns on Cam Johnson. You yes. know, uh, he's he's from St. Francis, right, Chris? Yeah, Maryland. Yeah, very very good very good program, and of course, you know, I want to know how Bryce Duke does, and and, and I want to <laughs> see that. That's your man crush. We we think there's going to be some serious shakeout in the running back room after spring practice. So we'll see. Be interesting to see where all that has to be. Yeah. Or before. <laughs> well, you know, classes did start yesterday. And, yes. and so I don't know if your average fan knows this, but if a player is thinking about transferring out, um, what some of them will do is wait until that spring semester starts. And for Virginia Tech, it's started. And then you hit the transfer portal because your school is paid for for that semester. Yeah. So you don't have to go to the 6 a.m. workouts. You don't have to go to the weight room. You don't have to go to spring practice. You can just focus on school, which is paid for, and figuring out where you're going to transfer. So it's it's normal and common for a lot of players to hit the portal at the beginning of the spring semester. We haven't heard anything so far, correct? Yeah. No, Nothing. but maybe we see some attrition the next week or so, right. if that is the case. Uh, some other names that I didn't mention, Johnny Dixon and Brody Meadows on the offensive line, Braylon Moore on the defensive line, Reed Pulliam at linebacker, and place kicker, John Love. Uh, yeah, and they're all here? All of them yeah, are wow. here. How, That's a lot you know, of guys. 12, I was about to say. And and this is a, a 21, 22-person class. So like half the class. So over half the class. That is huge for a first-time coach. Yes. That is you know, trying to figure out what, what everything's going to look like where you've got your assistants evaluating the current guys Man. and saying – what are these guys' strengths and weaknesses, which is something Brent probably talked about in his introductory press conference, um, going through and evaluating every guy. Now you've got 12 of your 24-ish freshmen that will probably come in that are here right now. they get got an entire semester to work. That's huge. Nice. And for Brent Pry, definitely huge to get those guys on campus. Spring practice coming up in just a few months here. I uh, want to talk about the big development with Brent Pry this week. He was at the snowball, snowball fight, fight on Sunday. I know everybody's been waiting for us to get to this. Uh, I thought that was really cool uh, to see Brent Pry out there among the cadets and and the students uh, doing the snowball fight. He said he, what what did he say? He thought he was going to get knocked over or something out Somewhere, there. Yeah, uh, but definitely fun and and something that maybe Tech has been missing from their head man in charge of the program. Yeah, it's it's difficult to be pleased with Brent pry on this front and not criticize his predecessor you know i i don't want to do that i don't want to go there because the guy showed up on our podcast and did a great job yes you know and and there there just wasn't enough of that um so people are asking the question you know brent, brent pry is everywhere and in the shortly after he was hired he shows up at a men's basketball game on a saturday and gets the cheers and some snide dude on, on Twitter is like, is he going to the women's basketball game tomorrow too? And he was there. And yeah, he did. He went to the women's basketball game the next day and got introduced and got the cheers. Well, it was funny with that pregame. They played a video of him introducing himself and saying, sorry, I can't be there. I'm out on the recruiting trail. I guess <laughs> that he, was he there. just showed up anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so maybe this guy on Twitter was Jason, <laughs> Jason and Arlington equivalent, which you young guys probably won't understand that reference. But um, – he is certainly hitting all of the right notes in terms of fan relation and things like that. So for those of you wondering when you're going to get him on the podcast, you know, I've had those conversations with, with Pete Morris and uh, they had to, first of all, Pry had to focus on hiring his staff um, and they are recruiting like crazy right now. They're all over the yeah. state of Virginia, he and his entire staff. So the answer to that is, 
they want to get through signing day, uh, which is you know early February, first Wednesday in February. And of course, he'll do a, a press opportunity that day. And then I get the impression from the from the things Peter said to me that they are going to start making themselves available to the media. This is going to be different this time around. Yeah. Does that mean they're going to have open scrimmages every Saturday during spring practice? I don't know about that, but as far as being available to the media and podcasts and interviews and things like that, I really think you're going to see a big change there. And, um, you know, Chris has a lot to say <laughs> about this. So um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll say one more thing and then I'll bail and I'll, I'll let Chris finish. Um, ultimately, of course, you have to win on the field, but the guy is winning off the field so far. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to step out and let Chris come in. And I know he's sitting over there just busting. <laughs> we'll let Chris chime in here on some things uh, with Brent Pry. Again, snowball fight. And then all of his assistants were introduced at the basketball game on Saturday against Notre Dame. That was cool. It feels weird to be in this chair. <laughs> <laughs> we're just moving everybody around today. Yeah. All right. So first of all, the snowball fight. Um, <laughs> I, I get that it's difficult to not criticize Justin Fuente after – seeing what Brent Pry did, but what you really have to criticize is the Virginia Tech administration. I mean, you think Brent Pry had ever heard of a Virginia Tech snowball fight? No. No, somebody over there told him and said, we need to get you to do this because yeah. this is what fans want to see. I mean, it wasn't just some random. It wasn't just Brent Pry oh, I think saying, I'll go. Yeah, what, it wasn't Brent Pry snow. saying. I mean, it was a whole the... video production yeah. designed as propaganda for they, the fan base. They had right. photographers, um, videographers. Right. They had everybody there. Correct. It was a huge production by the athletic department. Yeah, which is smart. And so basically they said, this is what you're doing because the fans want, want to see that. Nobody ever told Justin Fuente that he needed to do things like that. Yeah. And they didn't realize that until five. They didn't realize that they needed to do that until, until five years yeah. after they hired him. Yeah. And then once they did, he was perfectly willing to do it. They it just was never late. asked him until it, until yeah. they And it was too late know. at that point. So what what you're seeing here is an athletic department itself that has learned from its past mistakes. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to wrap things up on the snowball fight. I told Will and Chris I was going to do this, but David, you can jump in too. Uh, just for fun, let's pick. If you guys had to go against each other in a snowball fight, I want you to pick three Virginia Tech all-time athletes to be on your team, and we'll have uh, maybe we'll get a poll or something going of which team would win. We'll let Chris start uh, seniority rules okay. here. Now, who wins the snowball fight based on like number of hits? I guess. Yeah, I get. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, All right. Well, I'm gonna pick David Wilson because nobody'd be able to hit him. He's so fast. <laughs> He's my number one pick. There are different strategies here. Do you go arm? Do you go elusiveness? What What are you thinking, David? Yeah, you guys. You guys mentioned Angela Tincher earlier. I'm not going to steal from you. Because no, no, I'm, I'm not picking. You're you. not so picking. You you. Pick so him. I can pick Tincher. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so. I well, I would probably go. I would probably go Angela Tincher. Just like that arm, I don't think I'd want to be anywhere near that. <laughs> but can she hit a moving target? I mean, that's true. <laughs> that's the question. Could uh, she hit David Wilson? Michael Vick could hit. Michael <laughs> Vick could hit David Wilson. Great arm, could hit moving targets. I'm going so, Michael Vick with my number All right, two so pick. we're going all football for Chris so far, uh, David. Yeah, I would be tempted to go like, like, like Tyrod, like another quarterback. You might need so, elusive, and but elusive. also can throw. But, right. Yeah, somebody who's no, he's not like Sean Glennon, who's going to like sit there and get hit in the pocket. He's going to like move away. <laughs> comparison. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to just stand there and get hit by snowballs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he'll actually like try to try to dodge. Um, 
And, you know, and I feel like I feel like quarterbacks are very smart. You know, he'll draw up some some good battle plans. All right, we got one more pick each. What we got three football players, two of which are quarterbacks. And I've got Angela Tincher. I've got two elusive guys, one of which who can throw. I'm trying to think what else. A baseball player. Uh, I'll, I'll go with my buddy Brad Klontz, a baseball pitcher. <laughs> he can he he can throw. That's true. And he'd get you from a weird angle too, because he was one of those <laughs> sidearm submarine pitchers. Might yeah. also be elusive if they're aiming high and he can go low. Right. So like that's that. my three: David Wilson, Michael Vick, Brad Klontz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I was trying to think of of baseball players I would take. Um, you know, just I feel like you want all the arm power you can get. Yeah. Right? Um. Shoot, maybe I'd take like Gavin Cross. I feel like Gavin, Gavin Cross, Cross would be really good in a snowball fight. He's a right fielder. Right fielders are known Dude, for Dude, he has a huge arm. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about pitchers. I was like, I could take a pitcher, but but Gavin Cross has a pretty good arm. All right, so we got our first current Virginia Tech athlete. Yeah. All right, so uh, I don't know if, if you want to drop it in the YouTube, put it on the boards, whatever. Who who would win the snowball fight? <laughs> we again, should do a poll. <laughs> again, <laughs> again, Chris and David are on these teams as well. Take that uh, as you will. Jesus. Uh, so Chris has... Uh, David Wilson, Michael Vick, Brad Klontz, David with Angela Tincher, Tyrod Taylor, Gavin Cross. Mm. So uh, do with that with what you will. With that, <laughs> let's talk to the YouTube chat. Uh, Katie, any good questions in there today? Um, just one today from Devin Karina Blanton. It says, do you think this year's men's basketball team has a length problem, as in we're undersized at the three, four, and five positions? Well, if that were the case, then all of Buzz Williams' teams would have had a length yeah. problem. Um, undersized was a question, right? Uh, yes. Undersized. Um, um, I don't know about undersized. I just think I was having this conversation yesterday. I, I think it's part of Mike Young thought a guy like David Gasson would have developed better, or maybe he just didn't have the thousand foot perspective of where does D David Gasson, you know, I think David Gasson's developed a lot, but where does he develop in terms of the entire ACC? I, th I think it's tech has size. But I think it's part of Mike doesn't trust those guys a, a lot, and it doesn't find doesn't feel like he can put them in good position. The backup power forward and backup center are bigger than the starters. Yeah. Yes. They just aren't as good. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, um, I think all those points Justin Mutt scored against Notre Dame. If he was a traditional size power forward, I don't think he would have scored him. He was a matchup yeah. problem. They had trouble defending him in space because of his elusiveness. Yeah. Exactly. So it it goes both ways. It's it's I mean it's the same team that made the NCAA tournament last year yep. from a size standpoint. Yeah, yeah. In I, fact, last year's team was even smaller, probably considering you know Radford was like a six one two guard. Yeah, and, and Jalen Cohn came off the bench and was yeah. a five nine shooting guard. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I think this is a team that it overall like I think the starting five is solid, but but after that, you know. You notice against Virginia, David Gasson didn't play a lot, but John Ojiaco did because of the the size difference. And Mike Young is always trying to find these these matchups. Where does John o Ogio John Ojiaco fit the best? Where does David Gasson fit the best? And it's tough when he has to find specific matchups instead of saying, "I'm going to throw these guys out there and make the other team defend them." And I think I think it all just goes back to development because I think there's a there's size. John Ojiaco's huge. David Kassan, he's not as big, but but he's a decent presence. He's got limp. Now, to be fair, he gave Tech quality minutes against uh, Notre Dame. Now, he, he did, didn't yes. score, 
But he came in and had some game-changing blocks. Yeah, in, yeah, in that yeah. And, and it's picking your moments. But mm-hmm. but but John Ojiaco didn't play a lot against Notre Dame, and and so I think a lot of it is just the development in certain areas. Um, and I think Mike, you know, he's talked more about this lately. But I just feel like he hasn't trust. He doesn't have as much trust in his bench as he probably wants. You know, Padula. We're not. He doesn't. You know, factor in this in terms of height, but. You know, he's a freshman. And mm-hmm. against Virginia, we saw, you know, he came out there and got pickpocketed by Kia Clark. And, and we saw him being a freshman, raw talent, you know, just a, no, not much experience. But um, I think just in general, there's a little bit of depth there, but Mike hasn't developed it as much as he wants. And there's just not as much trust there as yeah, generally speaking, be. in Mike Young's system, he expects them to take off in their third year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like David was saying, You'd rather Mike Young be able to say, John Ojiaco may cause problems for this other team. I'm going to put him in there instead of saying, yeah. here's a spot I can slide him in and not yeah. have many issues. No, we'll say that Ojiaco is a much better player right now than he was when he enrolled. Oh, yeah, oh, 100%. Sure. It's just so is Keve Alume, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ojiaco basically missed a full year of development last year. Well, everybody missed the development off but he was he was injured, injured. But he was injured too on top of that and really didn't come back until ACC play started. Yeah. And, um, I think Gasan has developed, but but again, it's it's tough to take Justin Mutz off, off the court. The floor. Yeah. yeah, and and I think part of it is in terms, in specifically John Ojiaco. You know, he's six ten, six eleven, and it's not he's not as mobile as Kevin Loom or Justin Mutz are. So you don't want to throw him in there. You you can throw him in there against a uh, Caden Shedrick, a Francisco Cafaro for Virginia. But if you throw him in there against a Nate Lashevsky or a Paul Atkinson, they're a lot more mobile, a lot more elusive, and it's a tougher matchup for him. So I think it's a little bit Mike picking his matchups here there. That's a good question. Thank you, Katie. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up here on episode 219 of the Tech Sideline podcast. I got both of you here. What's coming up on Tech Sideline? Well, yesterday we did a review of the offensive recruits that visited for Junior Day this past weekend. And... Today, David's written a basketball game preview. We'll post this podcast, obviously. I'm going to start to work on the defensive part of, of the Junior Day article, and I'll probably run that tomorrow morning. But uh, we got to input those guys in the database today and start writing it and then post it tomorrow. And then a Friday Q&A is normal on Friday. Um, I, think, I think that's it for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll be in Raleigh tonight. Okay. I'm, I'm driving down this afternoon, so I'll have a story from Raleigh. Um, Women's basketball Thursday. Crystal Chris Hirons will be there, and he'll have a story. Um, big wrestling match on Friday. Uh, NC State yes. a- ACC opener. Um, just going to plug the SERTC, the Southeast Regional Training Center. Yes, but, but that's a huge matchup. I don't think Jack Brisendine's going to be there, but Jack Brisendine will have a, a story from that. So little stuff coming up. Big big weekends against NC State. Yes. Yeah, Tech men's basketball tonight, wrestling on Friday, you said. Yeah. And then Sunday, women's basketball takes on top five NC State. So a lot of wolf pack for the Hokies this week, I guess. Uh, All right, well, that will wrap it up here on episode 219 of the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. want to thank all of you all, all of you for listening and watching and thank everybody on set. No longer on camera, Will Stewart, founder and general manager of Tech Sideline. Uh, You can find him at Will Stewart TSL on Twitter. Chris Coleman across the way. 
lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline, at Chris Coleman TSL on Twitter. David filling in in the second half once again very well, at the real D Cunna on Twitter, the managing editor of Tech Sideline. Katie Adams, once again, the fourth chair, did a great job with her segment in the middle and then handling those questions at the end, at Katie6Adams on Twitter. Malcolm Stewart does a great job behind the scenes as always. I'm your host, Jake Lyman, signing off here on episode 219 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Enjoy the game tonight, Hokies fans. We'll see you next time.